During the coronavirus pandemic, there is a rise of anti-Asian hate crime in the US and Canada. Social media was filled with the worst kinds of racist vitriol, referring to COVID as the Wuhan virus or the Kung flu. Historically, Asian people and cultures have either been underrepresented or portrayed poorly in film and television. In recent years, Asian representation has improved. But to what extent? That's coming up in this episode of Diversity Series, Shedding Light on the Invisible. Hello, and welcome to Diversity Series, Shedding Light on the Invisible a podcast series produced for Community Podcast Initiative and CMRU.ca at Mount Royal University. The Community Podcast Initiative is powered by Shaw. I'm Jordan Cameron, a student in my third year of the Bachelor of Communication Broadcast Media Studies program. This podcast is coming to you from Mount Royal University, which is located on the traditional territories of the Nitsitapi Blackfoot and the people of Treaty 7 region in southern Alberta, which includes the Siksika, the Pikani, the Kainai, the Sutina, and the Ihahe Nakoda. The city of Calgary is also home to the Métis Nation. In this episode, we're talking about the relationship between media and the underrepresented groups, specifically Asians. What do mainstream media get right? What do they get wrong? How could it be better? In the past, there was little to no Asian representation in media. Astrid Kuhn is a MRU professor who worked in the media industry for many years. As a child, she said she rarely saw anyone who looked like her in film or TV. As a kid, there was no Asian representation, right? So I was, I, I'm in my 50s, so growing up, there was no Asian representation. It was predominantly white and maybe some black, um, but really, there was no Asian representation. Even when there was Asians featured in the media, the Asian people were seen as the model minority. Model minority refers to people, more specifically in this case, characters of Asian descent who are essentially hardworking, straight A, bookish, career or academics driven. You get the picture. But that's the base of it. It also includes a slew of other stereotypes, such as making the character socially awkward and lacking in any sex appeal, or including a tiger mom character who enforces unrealistic academic expectations. This idea of a model minority is further supported by a study that found Asians and Pacific Islanders account for less than 6% of speaking roles in Hollywood films. Some of the blame lies with Hollywood as it continues to perpetuate harmful stereotypes and tropes of the Asian and Pacific Islander community. The characters from those communities are more likely to be expendable in films, to be featured as a sidekick or a villain or as tokens stripped of romantic and family relationships or friendships. In recent years, however, the media has done a better job of Asian representation. For example, Disney's Mulan hired an Asian cast for the movie. The live-action retelling of the story focuses more on the legend of Mulan, showing a more respectful movie towards the culture. Movies nowadays are also moving away from the exoticism that used to be present with Asians in film. The token character notion is still present, but the characters are more relatable. For example, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. That movie breaks traditional stereotypes for Asian characters by making its main superhero Asian along with making its female supporting characters more three-dimensional. 
Calgary filmmaker Vicky Van Chow notes on how the Asian representation in films has been inspiring for a content creator like herself. You know, Crazy Rich Asians was sort of like kind of the first to kind of show that difference, like, you know, the main character being an Asian American and how different she was to the people who, you know, actually lived in Asia. And then, you know, with Shang-Chi and um, uh, Minari and, uh, you know, all the stuff that um, uh, that Netflix has been putting out about the immigrant stories. Um, those were stories that I wanted to tell. And so it was just really inspiring to see it being done. When you hear Asian, what pops into your head? For that matter, what does anti-Asian racism look like? The government of Canada has some ideas. On October 28th of 2021, they created a page about addressing anti-Asian racism. Among the terms used were yellow peril, perpetual foreigner, model minority, and exotic. But what do these words mean within the anti-Asian context? And what did the government of Canada do to perpetuate or abolish these stereotypes? Canada has been hailed internationally as a melting pot of diverse cultures, a welcoming mosaic of different peoples. But underneath the surface, racism runs rampant. According to the Canadian Encyclopedia.ca, in 1885, the Chinese Immigration Act came into effect. This act made it so Chinese people who wanted to enter Canada had to pay a $50 tax. Ottawa increased this amount to 500 in 1903. For context, $500 in 1914, the earliest year we could find records for, would be around $11,795.08. When that didn't work, a new version of the Chinese Immigration Act, also known as the Chinese Exclusion Act, barred Chinese people from entering Canada. There was also the Qualification and Registration of Voters Act in 1872 that did not allow Chinese Canadians and Indigenous people to vote, and the War Measures Act that sent 90% of the Japanese Canadian population, roughly 21,000 men, women, and children, into crowded, crowded internment camps in 1942. It wasn't until 2006 that the former Prime Minister Stephen Harper apologized for the government's treatment of Chinese Canadians. However, that apology does not erase Canada's history with anti-Asian racism. Alan Antioquia, a Filipino MRU design professor, pointed out how anti-Asian racism isn't going away. Oh, there's always it always is around, or you can sense it that oh, okay, they're um, that um, they're different, or you come from a different kind of cultural background. Astrid recalls an incident during her time in the industry. One time. Uh, when I was working at, it was A Channel, City TV, one of the reporters, seasoned reporters there, said to me, oh, you only got this job because you're a female, Asian, and you're attractive. Anti-Asian American crime has risen almost 150% in the last year. And in that same study, overall hate crime went down 7%. And, and this is precisely due to weaponizing terms like China virus and Kung flu. President Ben Chung Mao of the East Coast Coalition for Tolerance and Non-Discrimination 
organization talks about how behind every data point in these statistics, there's an actual person, such as a young child or a pregnant woman being targeted for simply because of the color of their skin. As a result of the anti-Asian racism, the Stop Asian Hate movement began. Rallies were held across the United States in response to racism against Asian Americans related to the COVID-19 pandemic. There's even one here in Calgary, as during that time, a lot of people stayed away from Chinatown over fear of the virus. Filmmaker Vicky tried to change that perspective with one of her works. I made my documentary Paper Lantern, which kind of helped combat that where they were bringing a very, a sort of westernized idea into Chinatown and, but bringing their own culture. So Paper Lantern's like this Vietnamese cocktail bar, you know, there's never really that much nightlife in Chinatown. So it was really nice that they were kind of bringing a new crowd into Chinatown and kind of saying like, you know, um, you don't have to be afraid of this community. Like, um, and you know, we are we have a much stake in this community as everyone else so um it was really nice to kind of be a part of that despite the increase in anti-asian racism there are many things you can do to tackle the issue on their website the government of canada has listed ways we can start to tackle anti-asian racism number one learn about pan-asian diversity and the unique identities and cultures that have enriched canadian society Number two, challenge stereotypes and consider how they are rooted in the history of anti-Asian racism. Number three, show solidarity with Asian communities in Canada by supporting local Asian businesses and organizations. Number four, be an ally. Call out acts of racism, discrimination, and microaggression, and actively support those victimized by anti-Asian racism. Number five, interrupt unconscious biases, and consider how they affect your behavior and decision-making. By doing those things, there's hope that the Asian representation in the future will start to look brighter. It already has, with media as previously mentioned like Shang-Chi, Mulan, and Crazy Rich Asians that have made an impact in the representation of Asian people in culture. Vicky says, having more Asian people working in the media industry will help whether it's in broadcasting, journalism, or news. Uh, I'm just really excited to see where this industry goes. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, seeing a lot of people like yourself and people who are choosing to be in the arts rather than, you know, going to school for to be a doctor or lawyer or whatever, mm -hmm. um, choosing to be, you know, in media, I think that's just going to be, I think there's just going to be this really big boom of like media representation from all these up and coming emerging filmmakers and content creators and you know people who are just going to be you know making sure that their voices are being heard so um yeah i'm just really excited to see what that brings and excited to yeah keep collaborating with the people in this community although you can be more hopeful for better asian representation in the future alan mentioned how there's still a lot of work that needs to be done not just in the media industry the last time I went back home, there was a lady who sat beside me, and she was surprised about, oh, you're you're a professor. And I'm going, why would that? And it kind of dawned on me, like, why would that be a, a surprise, I guess? Kind of uh, kind of shows, I guess, in our, you know, in our discussion, 
you know, that there needs to be, I guess, more representation, even as, as an educator um, mm-hmm. in this type of field. That has been the Diversity Series Shedding Light on the Invisible. This podcast is produced by the students of MRU's Broadcast Media Studies program. This episode was put together by myself, Alex Long, Keo Bunny, Miguel Oblea, Aisha Sheik, Anna Kwan Kwan, and Brayden Cordero. Our series production team include Samantha Jolin, Wyatt Patterson, Liam Daw, Dawson Bainbridge, Brayden Cordero, and Adam Bukasel. We'd also like to thank Alan Otiqua, Astrid Kuhn, and Vicky Chow for being guests on the show and giving their insight and opinions. The Diversity Series Shedding Light on the Invisible is a production of CMRU and the Community Podcast Initiative at Mount Royal University. The Community Podcast Initiative is powered by Shaw. I'm Jordan Cameron. Thank you for listening.